Welcome to Unchained, the radio program which addresses the challenges facing Christians today with short, pithy presentations, presenting a vigorous defense for Christianity's claim that the Holy Bible is God's inspired word. This series deconstructs the arguments of evolutionists, anti-theists, atheists, and other enemies of the Holy Bible. Here is your host, Pastor Rod Anderson. Hi, I'm Rod Anderson. How is it that the Bible and Christians in general are subject to so much scorn and contempt today? Is it possible that Christians have brought this upon themselves by interpreting the Bible in such a way as to open themselves up for ridicule? Well, the short answer is yes. I want you to watch this video clip. In it is a Christian named Bill O'Reilly who hosts a very popular current affairs program called the O'Reilly Report. He's interviewing Bill Maher, who is aggressive in his antagonism towards the Bible, is a militant atheist and libertine. 60% of the American people, Bill, believe the Noah's Ark story is literally true. I don't know any of those three. I don't know how to define you know, I think they found Noah's Ark on some mountain anybody? in Turkey. Didn't they find it up there? But but that's in your Bible. I mean, if you're a religious person and the Bible is written by God, why isn't why is stuff in the Bible untrue? Well, because I mean, it's allegorical, Bill. Story, I'm sure you know. Your, it, I'm sure you know it's, it's in, allegorical, and these well, are parables, and they're designed I, to pay, to oh, to really? teach you a greater truth that it apparently has eluded you. But you well, know, what, it's well, not okay. a literalist well, what, interpretation what, what of the Bible. The, well, I thought it was the Word of God. I thought it was literal, and a lot of religious people do. Bill Maher is right. Christians should look upon the Bible as God's inspired Word. Both the Old and New Testaments fall under the category because this is the claim the Bible makes for itself and should be taken literally. But Bill O'Reilly, on the other hand, the Christian, is saying in effect that parts of the Bible we'll like, well, we take them literally, and the rest of you, well, you know, as allegorical. In other words, they don't really mean what they say. Well, no, we don't. And no, we shouldn't. There certainly are parables, allegories in the Bible. We recognize them very, very easily as just that, each of which is to reveal a moral, ethical, or practical truth for the hearers and readers. For example, in Judges chapter 9, verse 8, it says, The trees went forth on a time to anoint a king over them. And they said unto the olive tree, Reign thou over us. We don't have to read any more. We recognize immediately from the opening stanza that this is a parable, an allegory. Allegories are self-evident, easy to identify, and, and upon examination reveal a truth. But when Bill O'Reilly labels the story of Noah and the worldwide flood as an allegory, his understanding of the word allegory must be entirely different to the rest of us. There is no hint in Genesis chapter 7 to 9 that we should take it as anything else but literal. On top of this, we have the clear testimony of the New Testament. As we turn to 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 5, the Apostle Peter says, And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. It is clear that the Apostle Peter believed in the literal flood. 
Did he make it? Did he make a mistake? Of course not. For we believe the Bible is inspired word of God, and that includes the second epistle of Peter, who testifies to the historicity of the worldwide flood and the person of Noah. Did Jesus have anything to say about the flood? Well, yes, he did. And I want you to notice uh, a verse found in Luke chapter 17, verse 27, in which Jesus says this. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Would any of us dare to say that Jesus has been duped to believe a falsehood? Of course not. Jesus speaks of the flood as a historical event, as does the Apostle Peter, as does the Apostle Paul. For some people, that would be enough. They'd say, okay, if Jesus believed it, if the Apostle Paul believed it, if the Apostle Peter believed it, that's all I need. And that is commendable. But biblical religion is a reasonable faith. It's a thinking man's religion. God doesn't ask us to believe anything or something without evidence. And let's leave the Bible for now and go into the world of archaeology. In the late 19th century, an archaeologist by the name of Hermann Hilprecht, who was a German-American Assyriologist and archaeologist, was leading an archaeological dig in the ancient Babylonian city of Nippur. There, an artefact was found containing the flood narrative and most significantly was dated to at least 2000 BC. Indeed, its phraseology is so close to the Genesis text that Hilprecht wrote these words... Its significance is further enhanced by the fact that in most important details it agrees with the biblical version of the deluge in a very remarkable manner, much more so than any other cuneiform version previously known. I've brought this to your this archaeological proof to your attention to make you aware that the Great Flood is recorded among the ancients outside the Bible. For example, in India, there is a story about a flood. A fish warned Manu that a flood was coming. Manu built a box and the fish towed it to a mountain and saved the people inside. The same kind of stories are told in every continent of the world. In China, the flood epic is repeated in the story of a family of eight who was saved from a great flood this ancient story tells that the entire land was flooded, the waters rose above the mountains. The Chinese considered this man the father of civilization. I could go on and give hundreds of flood stories from the four corners of the earth. The Greeks have their own telling of a worldwide flood. The Aborigines of Australia have their telling of the event. The North American Indians have theirs, each of which are incredibly similar. To consider this logically and reasonably, let me bring it down to the present. If a single event happens, and it is attested to by a variety of witnesses, of whom there is no possible chance of collusion, collaboration, and their stories match, then the only conclusion that we come to is the event happened. Now, in the pursuit of verifying the different accounts, hard evidence is found, all the better. With the flood narrative, what you discover if you research is people groups from different parts of the world 
testify of the same event and there is no possible chance of collusion and their stories match. So, therefore, we would assume that the story is legitimate. Secondly, in your investigation, you will discover real evidence in the geological record where sedimentary layers have been laid down in a rapid time such as can be clearly seen at the Grand Canyon or complete skeletons of animals, mammals, reptiles and fish which have been preserved within sedimentary layers having been engulfed and entombed during the flood by water, vegetation and earth. Furthermore, we have the words of Jesus himself who said it happened, as did the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul. Now we have a watertight case. Forgive the pun. Do some research. Do real study. Investigate for yourself evidence for the biblical flood and you will find indisputable evidence that consolidates the bible testimony you will learn of ocean dwelling marine life fossils found on mountaintops you will find evidence of rapid fossilization where creatures have suddenly been buried in mud and water such as this fish in this in the middle of consuming its small prey the evidence is out there but you will need to dig. Today, I have a gift for you, and it is a set of 25 reading guides entitled The Orchard Faith of Jesus Studies. These easy-to-use study guides will see your biblical knowledge jump in a very short time. And all you have to do to receive them is send me an email with your name, postal address, and phone number two, info at theorchardmelbourne.org.au that is info at theorchardmelbourne.org.au or go to our website theorchardmelbourne.org.au and go to the tab mark contact us follow the prompts and we'll mail them to you wherever you are well our time has run out again remember the truth has nothing to fear from investigation i'm rod anderson goodbye for now You have been listening to Unchained. We look forward to your company here next time on 3ABN Australia Radio as we continue this series with Pastor Rod Anderson. Let's listen to a song by John Lomacang called Sometimes It Takes a Storm. Disappear without a trace 
times it takes a storm to find your hiding place they were drifting in For you are my hiding. 